You're listening to the Ideal Life Club podcast, episode 39. Welcome to the Ideal Life Club podcast, where it's all about fast-tracking your ideal life. Join your host, life coach, and author of The Happiness Habits Transformation, Michelle Reeves, for inspiration and practical tips to finally claim success on your terms with clarity, confidence, and the courage to unleash your passion on the world. Hey there, Michelle here and welcome back to the Ideal Life Club podcast. Okay, so if you're a regular listener, you'll know that one of my goals for this podcast is to share the real life stories of women who have overcome challenges to live their ideal life or help others to do just that. My aim with these interviews is to inspire you to find your passion, step out into your power, to set yourself exciting goals and know you have the strength inside you to overcome your challenges and start living your ideal life. Now, today I'm really excited because my guest on the show is award-winning, record-breaking, best-selling, double classical, number one-selling soprano and all-round beautiful human being, Joanna Forrest. So Joanna shot to fame in 2017 when she became the first independent artist to go straight to number one in the classical album chart with her debut album. She is a phenomenally successful classical crossover artist with fans of all ages and is also an ambassador and volunteer for the cancer charity Copperfield following her own diagnosis at the very young age of 21. Joanna is passionate about bringing music back into schools and believes it is a vital part of children's education, inspiring creativity and imagination, which are key skills. In fact, we met over a workshop that she ran at my children's school, so I know firsthand how powerful this can be. In our interview, Joanna shares so much wisdom from how to deal with rejection and be more confident to celebrating even your smallest successes and shares her top tips for turning your passion into a business. I just want to apologize for some of the sound in this interview though. We had a bit of interference on the line, but hopefully it won't stop you enjoying our conversation. And you'll find all the links we discuss and for connecting with Joanna in the show notes at michellereevescoaching.com forward slash 39. So, it, oh my goodness, it is such an absolute pleasure to welcome you onto the show today, Joanna. I've been so excited about this interview and it's a pleasure to have you on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And Joanna, it's it's really interesting to chat to you because, you know, obviously you shot to fame with your number one um, album in 2017 and got such a star now and, you know, everyone knows you for being you know, the number one crossover classical selling soprano, but... You know, although we know you as a singer, you weren't always sort of destined to be a singer. That wasn't your first love, was it? No, you're absolutely right. Ever since I was a really young child, I, I knew I wanted to be a performer, but I actually wanted to be an actress. That's how, um, that's how it all started. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry, but I really thought it would be um, you know, acting would sort of, you know, be my thing. And, and so how did you get from that place of acting to, to deciding to, to kind of he, hone down on, on singing? Because obviously, you know, 
must be fun doing West End and theatre and TV and stuff. So what made you decide to focus on classical music? I think it was because, um, so instead of going to um, like a normal secondary school, I went to a stage school, um, Italia Conti, where we did sort of like half the day um, performing and then the other half of the day we do our normal academic subjects. And I think really I always felt like... Um, I was never really sort of focused. We were always told just to sort of say yes to anything. You know, if anybody asks you, can you do this? You say yes. And then you sort of like learn how to do it afterwards. So I always felt like I was never focused on one thing. And it was, it was always like doing different things. And I really just sort of wanted to do the one thing. And it was probably about Five, only about five years ago, I just decided, like an epiphany, I just want to concentrate on the singing. It's what I enjoy the most. It's what I wish I could do more of if I, you know, if I'm working. It's the singing that sort of really interests me. And I really sort of thought, right, I want to make that happen now. And I want it to be, um, you know, in the classical sort of classical crossover field. Um, and that, that was definitely the road that I wanted to go down and it was um, sort of like set in stone when um, me and my husband we put on um, a big huge charity concert and I sang with Paul Potts who's so lovely we sang a duet from Phantom of the Opera and it was there where I was singing with him with the live orchestra I was like this, this is my favourite. This is what I want to do all the time. And then it was just a question of sort of making that happen and become a reality. Oh, amazing. What a fantastic way to decide what your passion is, standing on stage with Paul Potts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was like then, then I knew. And, and I knew I had to try something different and I knew I had to be brave and I knew I had to say no to certain opportunities. And that's another thing that's drummed into you um, you know, as a self-employed performer, like never say no to any work. Um, but sometimes if you want to just focus on the one thing, then you have to. So that was, that was really brave, sort of like turning things down. That was like a new thing. And you're so right. And it's something that, you know, a lot of us struggle with as well. Even when we're starting out, you know, in, in normal business life, it, you want to say yes to everything because you have that kind of fear of missing out. And it, it but it, it can really hold you back because it makes you spread yourself too thin, right? Yes, that's exactly how I all, that is how I always felt I'd been in my career, spreading myself too thin, definitely. Um, and you always want to say yes, because you don't know, you know, are you going to miss out on working with someone who's going to be amazing for you? Who are you going to meet doing this new job? Who's going to watch you doing the job? So, but I think it was definitely worth it, focusing and, and saying no. Yeah, good for you for, for doing that as well. And one thing that really interests me, Joanna, and I chatted to Lisa Tyrell about this, the actress, um, because it's a similar kind of situation, I guess. But people kind of think of performers as, you know, you're up there on stage and you're performing and that's great. And yes, you get paid for it. But they don't really consider, I guess, that being a performer is also just like running a business. So you are your own brand and you kind of have to run you know your performances and your career in that way would you say that's true oh definitely especially like as an independent artist like I don't have anybody doing anything for me I've done everything myself which means I've had to learn lots about 
the music industry. I mean, you know, my husband was amazing. He was so helpful and we sort of worked it out together. But there was so much to learn about putting out an album for, you know, released across all platforms that you hope is going to to, to chart in the classical chart, whether that's, you know, like um, marketing and distribution and all of that. We had to do it all ourselves. So it definitely is not just about the singing. Sometimes that can be such a small part of it. And it's everything else that goes alongside that helps you get the opportunities. You know, there's so much, especially now with um, like online stuff, like having to learn all about that, um, you know, contacting people. I mean, you know, I've never worked in, in an office. So for me, I think this is the first time um, since I've just started focusing on the singing, um, a lot of the businessy stuff was always taken care of by an agent. This is the first time I've like done it myself, really. And um, it's, it's just a whole new world. And like, even in like the business world, like sometimes, you know, how people send emails and like the tone, you know, when you've been contacting people through email and social media because they're like friends it's really different then suddenly like you know this is like a business contact and sometimes I'll say to my husband well, what have I done wrong I've got this really cold harsh email back and he's like no 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 that's just a business email that's definitely like <laughs> not cold or harsh there isn't just loads of emojis and kisses because it's a business thing I'm like yeah so it's sort of like gauging the tone of like business world which you know I've never had to step into before in my life but I think that's so refreshing as well Joanna because you know business can be very dry and boring and stale but I think but I love your approach I love that it's much more friendly because you know I think business has, mo has moved on from from that men in gray suit space to be honest and now everything is about social definitely and I think you can be a lot less formal um even if you're sort of doing something like quite serious businessy it doesn't have to be like super formal and I think you can get away with being um a bit more sort of friendly than maybe like in you know like the the years the years gone by but that was just like a whole nother aspect that I had to sort of like learn about and and also um one of the things that I found like you know like a personal sort of struggle like having to sort of look at the business side of it is um realizing oh you know sometimes pick up the phone rather than email i find that i get a bit of response doing that but sometimes you it's mm. easy to hide behind an email but actually you do get a better result sometimes when you talk person to person but it's that feeling of like oh i've got to pick up the phone to this person now and it's gonna be is it gonna be really scary but no you just gotta do it and not not worry and not hide behind an email that's something um that was a really good tip from my husband just speak to them he'd say as I was like you know um spending hours over like a four-line email worrying if it had the right tone he's like just speak to them and then they'll know what you're about and your tone just pick up the phone 
But I also think sometimes when we were working together on things and we had to sort of split things, I do feel sometimes that my husband had a better response. And I still wonder whether that's because, you know, he, he's a man who's been in the business world rather than, than me, if that makes sense. Like, mm. even though we can be saying the same thing, that I feel he gets sometimes a better response. Um, that's really interesting. And would you say, is that, is, that an interesting, is that an industry thing as well? Is the music industry still quite male-dominated? Um, I, think it, I think it probably is still male-dominated. And I think, you know, getting through to people, I think it's that whole sort of you know old-fashioned gravitas of that it's it's a man calling it's just it's really not fair but it seems to be seems to be the case sometimes I'll have tried to get through to somebody mm. with no luck and then he can try sort of first time and be put through and I'm like what is that just a coincidence or what's going on here like and it's these challenges, you know, you don't really think about it when you're setting out to do something. It's some of these small challenges that can, that can really trip us up, isn't it? And I guess it's the same, you know, although, um, you know, you've had some really big challenges in your life as well. I know when you were, I mean, super young, 21, being diagnosed with cancer, that must have been a fundamental challenge in your life. That was a, that was a challenge. It was a challenge in so many ways. And um, one of the challenges I think was sort of getting back to performing because I think I got used to sort of like, you know, like not really wanting to sort of be seen by the world. You wanna be like at home, taking care of yourself, healing and auditioning is never pleasant. Even if you're in like the most amazing headspace, even if you wake up feeling like Beyonce, like it's still not a pleasant, experience and I think if you're already feeling like your confidence has been knocked and you're not in the best place and you're sort of out of practice I think that was definitely a challenge but I also knew that I really wanted to do it and I think when you really want to do something you do overcome any of the hurdles because you want it so much so I started off small, I started having my singing lessons again, and then I actually got the first audition that I auditioned for um, when I was feeling better, which was a, a huge uh, confidence boost. And it was Wendy in Peter Pan in Southend, and it was Shane Ritchie who was Captain Hook. And I was just so excited to be part of a show and that I'd got the part and... Um, I think that really sort of set me on my way. So I think it was really lucky that I did get that audition because I think it sort of spurred me on. That's brilliant. And, and, and what a great co-star to have as well. I bet that yeah. was so much fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And, um, you know, obviously there was the health issues that you had to, to deal with and kind of getting back into a place where, because you're, you know, as a, as a, as a singer, your, your voice is something that I'm sure you have to protect you know, every single day. Um, but were there any kind of mental mindset issues? Did you have to kind of also protect your, your kind of mental health? I actually feel like um, I probably was just very focused on sort of getting through the treatments and what they would entail. And I probably didn't think about my mental health or mindset 
that much. I think things have really sort of moved on. I often wonder now about, uh, because I didn't know anybody else who was going through it at the same time as me, um, who was my age, like all the literature was for like older um, women and um, they were the people that I would see um, having treatment. And so I didn't really sort of know that there are, you know, lots of younger people that it affects. There was no way of sort of reaching out to them because it was before the world of social media and smartphones and internet even. And I often wonder, would I have had a different experience now if there'd have been um, social media at, at, at the time? Because I, I follow people who um, have Instagram accounts, you know, dedicated to helping mindset and, you know, staying positive. Because um, I just think it's really interesting. And they may take you through a day of what their first chemotherapy is like. I mean, I would have loved to have seen that before. Um, before I, I, you know, had certain treatments. So I often wonder whether it would have been really helpful for me to, that, you know, if social media had been around then, I could have, like, connected with lots of people and, and learnt so much, you know. It, you know, we had to, me and my mum had to go to a library and, you know, look at old-fashioned books, you know, make lists of questions and then ask, like, the oncologist and surgeons questions. So... I think that would have definitely helped with mindset and sort of maybe at the time, even though I wasn't aware of it, made me sort of, you know, maybe help stay like positive. Um, I often wonder how like different my experience would have been really. And cause I think, you know, talking about things definitely helps. I'm um, a volunteer now for a wonderful charity called Copperfield where I'm a Bubet volunteer where we actually go to schools and, um, like um, sixth form colleges or businesses or sort of anywhere where there's young people and sort of get the message across to be checking themselves to to young people and I share my story as part of the presentation and I can sort of see how much good that does whereas I think at the time my mindset was like it didn't happen like forget about that just sort of like carry on plow on um, I also had um, an agent at the time who told me never to talk about it because then I wouldn't get any work, which made me feel like it should be something that I wow. never talk about. I know. She said that she'd had um, um, one of her sort of real sort of bread and butter actors had had a heart attack and nobody would employ him again because they felt like it was a risk and that would sort of, you know, nobody would want to employ me, which, you know, didn't make me feel great at the time. <laughs> No, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it's one of the things that we're privileged to do now if we have a voice and, you know, if we have a platform, whether that's, um, you know, somebody who's able to speak in the media because they're well known and famous or, you know, even if you just have a social media account and you go live and you just talk about your experiences and your challenges and how you overcome them, it feels to me that's such a privilege to be able to share that story because even if only one person hears that story and, and takes something from it and it helps them get through their day, then you feel like you've actually made a difference. Oh, definitely, definitely. And my first album, um, Stars Are Rising, um, some of the proceeds of each um, album sold and one of the songs, the, the lead track, the proceeds went to Copperfield, which sort of also gave me 
like a chance when marketing the album to sort of always sort of bring up Copperfield um, and talk about the good they do. But I also wanted to sort of have the message that um, like if something like that does happen to you, like you, st it, it, you can still achieve like your absolute ultimate dream. Like it doesn't have to sort of take anything away from you and you can still you know, be the person that you were before and still sort of like go out there and like get what, get what you want. And that was quite important to me to sort of get that, that message out there for, you know, anybody who's like going through it to think, yeah, you know, I can put this behind me and still go on to just do whatever I was planning on doing like before or, or, or even better. Oh my goodness, yes, that, that resonates so much with me and definitely the message that I wanted to get out um, with my book and overcoming postnatal depression and, and how, because all these you know, things, they can be so debilitating and you know, if we're not careful, we can let them define us, can't we? Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons why I didn't at the time want to go through it and, and, and like, well, talk, talk about it was because, you know, I... I didn't like the dealing with, you know, people were either thought it was really weird that someone, you know, so young could be affected by it and, you know, didn't understand it, or they felt very sad and uncomfortable and then you have to make them then feel better. So I think there was like a whole sort of world of reasons why I didn't want to talk about it at the time, because you're so right, you don't want to be defined by it. You don't want people to associate only that with you, because that's not just you know who you are so that's something that you, you you definitely don't want and I think I sort of had to get to this stage you know years later to be able to know that it didn't define me and there's lots of other things to me and that was just like you know like a part of my life but um yeah but just you know isn't only who who I am so I think you're absolutely right about you, you don't want it to define you in any way yeah, completely. And but it is quite um, talking about you know other interests in your life. You know, it must be quite quite an interesting uh, sort of challenge, I suppose, in a way. You know, one day you might be on stage performing with a, an orchestra that's being recorded for the BBC, and you know, then the next day you're kind of at home, you know, with your gorgeous dog and kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of manage that 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 balance how do you kind of manage your your work-life balance and maybe sort of dealing with the, the kind of big highs and then the kind of just normalcy um I think um I quite like having the variation I really like that and I also quite like the idea that like every time my phone rings it could be like the most like amazing opportunity like sometimes when you're least expecting it you know you're just making a cup of tea or whatever just pick up the phone and then it's like something really cool or a really cool email pings into your inbox and everything changes I really like that um I think um and I also think it's good that maybe there are days when I'm not doing something like you know massively exciting <laughs> because I think you really appreciate it more when it's not every day um because you think oh yeah that's so cool um and I, I think one of the things probably about um maybe 
you know, not being well and still sort of carrying on in the industry is that I think it gave me like a big appreciation for it, I think. Um, and also I think, well, gosh, like it doesn't come easily to anybody who is like a, a, a performer. But I think when you're constantly sort of, you know, like, like working and sending out the emails and stuff. And then when you get one back and it's worked out, then that's just like such an, like an amazing feeling. But I love days where I know that like, um, I don't have to sort of like learn any songs. And the only thing that I have to do is, you know, walk with my dog and nothing else. I like days like that too. <laughs> I think yeah, I mean, it- it's kind of part of that self-care that we all need, isn't it? To have downtime and not be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because it, it can burn you out and you hear about it all the time. You know, um, I mean, the high profile cases are always performers, but I know from speaking to clients and just, you know, day to day and social media, you know, business owners, the struggle is real. And when, especially when you work for yourself and you run your own business, um, as you do as a, you know, as a, a performer, it, it's, it, it can be challenging sometimes to switch off because at the end of the day, when you run your business, you are the person that it all comes down to. Oh, definitely. And you always feel like you should be doing something. Like, is there something I should be doing to further my career? And if I'm not, am I being like, am I sabotaging it? Am I being lazy and not proactive enough? And you know, is it all right to just be sat here watching something on Netflix or, you know, should I be looking at this and doing that? Because there's always something to do. Um, But I don't think you can do that all the time. Otherwise, I think it would absolutely drive you crazy. And times when it has been really full on, um, there's always been like a sort of only for a designated amount of time, like say something like when I used to be doing like the musical theatre like you know I did a tour that was for a year but I knew that was for a year and so it's not like forever and also doing say a panto when that's two shows a day six days a week and that's really like full-on but you know that's only probably for about six to eight weeks so there's like an end to it so I think the burnout probably for me, if ever there was going to be something, you know, I'd have to think about isn't actually the sort of doing the job. It's more like all the other stuff, all the admin and sort of like preparing for things that can drive you crazy that you don't give yourself a break from because you always think you should be doing something. Um, I think that's sort of, it's like put the laptop down. It's okay. Especially nowadays when you can send an email to somebody anytime it's up to them if they read it or not isn't it which means that you can be working at any time doesn't it oh completely and but something you said just then is really interesting to me about how as when you've got a performance or you're doing a run maybe that's filming for the tv or, or performing on stage you know as you say you that's limited and maybe that's a lesson that we all need to learn from that and anyone listening to this now you know if you find that you you struggle to switch off maybe think of your work life in project terms. I know I certainly work, I have a 90 day plan. So I work on that 90 days and I know that 90 days is going to come to an end and I'll kind of use that as a stake in the ground to to look back and see what worked well and what didn't. And then to move forward into the next 90 days. And maybe that's a tip we can all take from that. Yeah. And that's interesting to look at 
like 90 days because sometimes I think people just sort of don't really think in 90 days do they they might think in like a year or they might think in like six months or something to sort of like look back on things so that's really interesting that's more like bite size isn't it you, you can handle it more 90 days whatever you're doing yeah absolutely I'm a big fan of annual goals and 90 day plans oh interesting that is very interesting yeah I'm gonna be taking that on board I think yeah it's really good that it's, and I think it's interesting because you know it's very hard to come up with a plan for a year that isn't going to be totally bombed by life happening to you <laughs> because let's face it you know life life doesn't just happen in a vacuum does it it comes along and blasts a hole through whatever your plans are um but I tend to find if I work in 90 day periods and I know this is you know loads this, you know, a lot of the research around this is you can you can kind of plan in ninety days, and you're more likely to hit your goals that way. So um, I tend to have big, lofty goals for the year, but really tie myself down to well, what is it I'm actually going to be doing in these ninety days? Mm. That is really interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And then you still have your yearly goals, but you've just got this more manageable sort of time in between. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'll be seeing you buying your 90 day planner at the store. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So one thing that really strikes me about you, Joanna, is you are, I mean, and I know that you've talked about this before, but you are actually a very confident, positive person, you know, that don't really seem to struggle too much with confidence. Um, so are there, are there any kind of daily habits or practices that you have in your life that helps you to kind of keep that way? Is it a natural confidence and positivity that you have? What do you find is sort of helpful for you on a daily basis just to keep you ticking along? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think, so if it comes to confidence in performing, I think that's down to how prepared you are um because there's so much that can go wrong but it's not down to you so as long as you're prepared as much as you can be I think that gives you a feeling of sort of confidence and calm and that you know you're as prepared as much as you as you definitely can be um and I think because I because I enjoy it so much I still sort of get excited about um about performing so I think that sort of overrides if you've sort of got any nervous energy, I think because you're just excited, um, then, um, then that sort of leaves you sort of feeling sort of positive. Um, and I think, ah, oh, that's such a good question on a daily basis. Um, I think, I think, I think I've learned also a lot from my husband who has a very thick skin when he is making connections and networking. He really just tries and say he gets rebuffed, he really doesn't mind. So now I've sort of as, as well, sort of taking that from him, like, you know, you, you can sort of like put yourself forward for things and like ask for things. And like, if it doesn't work out, it's not personal, just sort of try again. I think um, going to Italia Conti, as my schooling was very helpful just in life really because it was drummed into us as children that if ever you are rejected for anything it's not you personally it could be that you got the wrong color hair that you weren't 
tall enough or um or you were too tall or they wanted someone older or younger and so if ever there's like a rejection or something it's definitely not down to you or your talents or your abilities and I think that's quite like a good lesson in sort of real life really if anything doesn't work out it wasn't you or you know it's just sort of like the way that the way that it is and I think um there's a quote that sometimes if I'm feeling a bit worried about something that I have to do because I really sort of want it to work out and you know you just maybe a little bit of like self-doubt comes in I always think like I know how hard that I worked and my husband worked to get the number one and then we worked so hard on the second album and I so I just keep this quote that I saw, I think online somewhere, but you know, I haven't come this far to only get this far. And that's what I say to myself, like, you know, you haven't done all this work just to wimp out of say this, like, come on, like you've done so much, you know, just to keep going. Otherwise, you know, that would be such a shame. Just, and so I think the fact that I've worked so hard already spurs me on to do more stuff, I think. And also I think, there's confidence as well with um with the albums being so like successful i think that's really helped as well because i feel confident now that you know that you know there was an audience who really who really are enjoying it and i think um sometimes it's nice to sort of look at nice um social media sort of comments if you're feeling like I don't know like you need a bit of motivation or like nice reviews I know that's quite like indulgent really isn't it but sometimes it's really nice to just think oh yeah they really liked it so yeah so it makes you sort of you know feel really like positive about you know what what you can do sort of like going forwards to to achieve I think uh, that's oh, such nuggets there, Joanna, that I just really want to pick up on a couple of those because I think they're great messages. The first one about turning fear into excitement, because really fear, we, we know this from, you know, um, sort of hormones and neurology, fear and excitement is the same feeling in our bodies, you know. <laughs> You get yes. the butterflies in your tummy, you know, you sweat a little bit, you get a bit red in the face. And, and both of the, you know, the two things kind of, they feel the same in our body. So why not think of fear just as being excited about something? If we change that mindset, it actually changes the energy in our body and allows us to move forward where fear tends to hold us back. So I love that you, that you have that perception. I think that's, that's fantastic and a real nugget that we can all share from. And I think the second thing is, you know, your lesson from from uh, stage school, you know, reminding ourselves it's not about you or your talents or your abilities, you know, particularly if you're a small business and you're listening to this and maybe you did a sales call and the potential client didn't buy it for whatever reason, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about us and our business. It's not that necessarily that we've done anything wrong. It's, it's about them. It's about them and their needs and where they are right now. And that's okay. And we don't need to feel that that's our fault. Um, yes, absolutely. I love, yeah, I love both of those. Um, and I think also just the, the last point you made there about taking confidence from your success, um, you know, and you've had such fantastic success with both of your albums. I guess, you know, anybody that's, we need to kind of, and I'm a big proponent of this, celebrating success every single day. Um, you know, what is it that you've done today that you can be proud of? And I think that's something we can all, we can all, 
you know, use that as a confidence boost and, and a way to raise our positivity. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Because, yeah, you have to sort of celebrate even like the small wins and you think, oh, that worked out. Amazing. You know, and not every day is going to be massively life changing and productive, but there might still be like some really good things that have happened. Or maybe it's just all about, you know, setting, sowing the seeds and setting things up for, you know, future successes as well. Yeah, completely. And talking about um, future successes and kind of moving into some of the other areas that we're really interested in, I know that you have a real passion about music in schools. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, definitely. Well, you know, music is such a big part of my life and there are some schools, unfortunately, that just don't have access to, to, to music, which I think is just awful. Um, like so terrible it's such 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 a shame um you know i was reading about this article about this one headmistress who you know music wasn't available at the school and also she wouldn't let the children um, have any time off school to do exams if they were having um private music lessons out of school just because she just didn't think it was important and i think it's so important in so many ways um, so my second album, I wanted to, to create something for, you know, as, as, as well as sort of like, you know, the existing classical crossover um, audience who bought my first album, I wanted something the whole family could enjoy, um, like for younger ears as well. So I chose, you know, really sort of like well-known songs but still with like a full orchestra and had Andy Day from CBeebies who's my friend who sings a duet with me Let's Go Fly a Kite on it which was so much fun and Paul Potts um, sings on it with me as well we do a duet the Andrea Pacelli song Because We Believe which is just such like a beautiful beautiful song because I think sometimes um like children don't realise that they absolutely love classical music because it could be like masquerading as not classical music. Like they could be playing um, a computer game. And if you say to them, oh, wow, do you like the, the soundtrack to this? And they might go, yeah, it's really cool. Oh, well, that's orchestral and it's classical. But they might not actually know or, you know, they might love the film score, but not actually know it's classical. And I just really wanted something that would, you know, appeal to appeal to that, you know, younger audience. And we've had such good feedback, which is brilliant. Um, and I was so, like, delighted that, you know, children have been enjoying it. But one of the ways um, that I've been sort of getting it to that audience is to actually go into schools and do a workshop. So some of the schools that I've been to actually have, you know, a brilliant music department, which is absolutely fantastic. And they get um, they get to, you know, to, to learn music and have it in their, you know, in their school life, which is brilliant. But some of the schools that I've been to, it's just, you know, it's just not not there for them. And um, it's just you know, amazing to see how much they enjoy the workshop and they enjoy joining in and they enjoy singing. And it just, it just baffles me that, it, that it's not, it can't be for every school because I know that not every single child is going to be, you know, go on to be Paul McCartney or Elton John, of course, and not make their career from it. But the, the things that you learn from it 
are amazing like you know creativity and um the fact that it could really sort of like um uh, you know inspire their imagination because um i love talking to them in my workshop about um you know if, if books are sort of pictures for our our minds then you know orchestras paint pictures for our minds as well so the last song that I sing um when I do my workshop is Hushabye Mountain and I ask all the children to shut their eyes and imagine stuff just you know as if they're sort of daydreaming what what happens when they listen to music and they shut their eyes what do they see and then I ask them afterwards and it's so random all the different things every child so different but it's just brilliant that they've been transported by music and they've been using their imaginations which in turn can you know will fire their creativity because like even somebody like i always think like you know like like a business entrepreneur like alan sugar like he has to be creative with some of his ideas and things like creativity can help in like everything even if you're not going to be something that you a job that you think is going to be creative like an artist or a musician or or a writer but I also don't understand if that's the case and you know that you know if if a school doesn't have you know a lot of funding then music is one of the things that has to go don't understand then why art has um a larger importance because it's really similar thing it's a creative thing you know not every single child is going to be good at painting or drawing but the what they're going to learn and the expression from from doing a class like that is going to be, be so wonderful for them i don't understand why music isn't considered the the same thing just baffles me but i'm loving doing the workshops they've been really really fun um yeah it's just so much so much fun seeing the children joining in and really in, enjoying themselves it's been really great Oh, I know. We absolutely love having the rhythm of life on in the car when we're on the way to school and on the way home from school. And my son, Sebastian, adores the whole album and picks out particular songs that he wants me to play. So I completely agree with you. I think it's creativity is so important, regardless of the job you do. You know, we all have to come up with solutions to problems and that requires creativity. So I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on having music at school. And I can remember as as a child listening to um, classical music. My, my parents took me to the Barbican um, to listen to sort of modern classics and they used to do programs like that for children. And it was such fun. I used to love doing it and watching people play instruments. And I think it's, you know, it, it can be a, such a central part of, of a child's life, particularly, you know, music's everywhere now. So why not classical? Absolutely, definitely. And so I, there's, there's been a lot of sort of publicity around the fact that, um, that music isn't available at all schools. So I'm hoping maybe that could be something that changes um, in the future, which would be amazing. And I also feel like classical music is having a bit of a sort of resurgence. Like there's a new radio station, Scala Radio, which is sort of a bit like um, they're sort of pitching themselves as a sort of um, a modern version of classic FM. So they sort of play the same 
type of thing as classic FM, but the presenters have got much more sort of banter, more sort of like, you know, radio two type thing. Um, and I went on to Scala to talk about the rhythm of life um, with Anthea Turner and Chris Rogers. And, um, and I just think it's brilliant that there's a radio station like that for people who might feel perhaps classic FM isn't something they'd listen to, but then, you know, they, they will listen to, to Scala. And I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a great idea. So I think it is having a bit of a, a bit of a resurgence. More people are downloading it, more people are listening to it. Um, more people are buying it. So yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's a good time for classical music. And it's fantastic as well. I love to have some classical music on the background if I'm working, actually. I read something somewhere about some research that said that uh, certain kinds of music help your focus and certain kinds of music distract from your focus. I certainly find that having some kind of classical music on the background helps me to focus. I don't know if that's just me, but I completely agree with you. And, and I think all that work that you're doing, you know, just want to acknowledge you for that, really, because it is so inspiring and it is, I'm sure it is going to make a difference. And thinking about sort of inspiration, and also I just wanted to congratulate you as well on receiving the first ever Future Classic Women Award early Thank this year. You. Huge Thank well done for that. Um, and you are clearly a big role model for other people, but I always ask my interviewees this because I'm always fascinated by the answers. Joanna, who are your role models? Who inspires you day to day? Um, I think... I think when I was younger, um, a big inspiration for singing in the first place sort of musical theatre was Sarah Brightman, because she was the first person I sort of saw sort of, um, you know, acting through song. Um, it was the song and dance on the, on the TV. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, so she was definitely like an initial inspiration. Um, and... I get inspiration from all kinds of things. I love sort of um, sort of like motivational things on Instagram. I like looking at that type of thing. Um, people, I, re I really like people who on social media sort of who aren't afraid to sort of like shout out about their successes. I think it's so inspiring and it's really sometimes considered like not the thing to do. And I don't, and, and I know, it's just so very sort of like um, British, isn't it? In America, I think it's like, it's totally cool to sort of, you know, shout about what you've done. But I think it's really good when people do it because it's inspiring because you think, gosh, look what they've done. I could, I could do that. It inspires me to be better when I see somebody who's sort of like um, achieving things. Um, I think it's brilliant. I really like seeing people succeed i think it's i think it's really cool um so those type of um instagram accounts you know they're not just singers they could sort of be um like loads of different things um chris hallinger who founded the copperfield charity with her twin sister Maren, they're both massively um inspire me because of what they achieved you know a huge national charity when it started out of their bedroom I mean when they didn't know how to go about making a charity they just wanted to change the world I think that is amazing they inspire me 
Um, so yeah, I, I follow lots of sort of in, inspirational sort of um, accounts. I also, I also like to sort of like read books that are sort of, um, you know, inspirational and, um, you know, it's the type of book that my husband would be like, what? But I love them. I think they're so good. I think they can really make a difference. Um, so I like doing that as well. Um, I'm just thinking if there's anybody else. I think in the music world, I love following the other independent artists because I know how hard it is to be an independent artist without all the huge help that a label can give you. So I love following them on Instagram and seeing their journeys and their successes because I know how hard they've worked. And isn't it just so great, when, like you say, when you see people who are going through what you've been through or what you're going through, it, it does really help to lift you and, and make you feel that anything's possible. And I think that's the real beauty of, you know, the positive side of social media. There's quite a lot of, of chat about the negative side of social media. And, and obviously, you know, there have been lots of problems with it. But I think, you know, if you approach it in a particular way and follow the right kind of people, then, you know, like you say, it can be really inspiring. So it's it's great to hear that. Um, Joanna, if our listeners are inspired by your story and they're interested in answering the call to their passion and perhaps maybe turning it into a business or, or stepping into something that's out of their comfort zone, is there like a couple of tips that you'd give them to get started? What would you say? I would say, first of all, absolutely, definitely do it. Like if you have a passion that you want to turn into a business and you want it to be your job like how amazing to do something you love every day i would say absolutely this is something that you have to do and don't be i would also say don't be afraid to ask people for help if you don't you know if you're not quite sure how to go about certain things and also have um a really good team around you so i've had the same producer Robert Emery do both of my albums because not only is he like this <laughs> musical genius, um, he also is, you know, knows a lot about the industry and, you know, very helpful with, you know, guidance and wise words and thoughts. He's very creative, a bit of an entrepreneur. I think find somebody, find a good team around you who you know who want to help you and like you know see you su succeed and, and can help you out on the stuff that maybe you're not quite so sure about and like just you know keep going with it because um you know things might not happen you know as quickly as you'd like but don't let that um don't let that think oh you know this this is this is never gonna happen like because it will you just have to like give it time and just go for it and um and and also like I don't know if you do this but do you ever like visualize something working out before it's happened because you hope that's gonna make a difference sometimes mm. sometimes I do that um I don't know if it makes a difference but it makes you feel like you know it might do um so just as well, just like be really positive, like send it out to the universe that this is going to be a success. But ultimately, you know, 
just be brave and do it because I was, you know, worried about, you know, a different direction, turning things down, you know, just focusing on, on the one thing. And, you know, I'm so glad that, that I did. I, I, I really, really am. And, you know, and my husband, you know, said to me, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, try different things to have different things happen because if you were only doing the same thing then only the same things are going to happen so i hope that helps if anybody's listening and is thinking about turning like a passion into a career i would just say like do it do it do it today <laughs> oh i love those tips and i love the you know the fact that you use visualization i think visualization is so so powerful there is it is scientifically backed um you know it's something that i talk to all my clients about if they're gonna approach something that's maybe a bit outside their comfort zone, visualize complete success um, because it starts to get our brain into the mode of believing the art of the possible. And that's why, you know, it, we have top performers, athletes, runners, you know, long jumpers, loads of sports people now use visualization to help them see, you know, the, the success that they're trying to achieve ahead of time and, and it does start to create those neural pathways ahead of time so absolutely love that you brought that up and definitely recommend it as a top tip January it's just been such a pleasure having you on the show today I love your whole journey I love your passion for what you do um, and so many top tips and great nuggets that you've shared that I know everyone listening is just gonna soak up so i hope you busted out your journal for this one guys because there was loads to write down i've been scribbling away and i'm sure um you know everyone listening will want to find out how to connect with you how to get hold of your albums etc so where's the best way or what are the different ways that people can connect with you well i'm all over social media um and i'm always um just my name joanna forrest on twitter instagram facebook um, so I would love to hear from you <laughs> and my website, joannaforest.com and you can email me through there and, um, and my albums are available across like all the platforms, you know, Amazon, iTunes, um, Spotify. Um, so yeah, so check them out. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much again, Joanna, for being on the show today. It has been a total pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely talking to you. So wasn't that amazing? I loved chatting with Joanna. The way she loves seeing other people succeed is particularly refreshing and inspiring. And I think one of my favorite quotes she shared was, I haven't come this far only to come this far. So good. Do leave me a comment or drop me a note on Facebook or Instagram and let me know what your favourite part of this interview was and what resonated most with you. I do read all your comments and reply personally, so get in touch. Okay, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know how valuable your time is and I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Before I go, I'd love you to join us in the Ideal Life Club Facebook community, which is a supportive space I've created for ambitious women who want to grow themselves as well as their business. To find out more and join us, head over to michellereevescoaching.com forward slash Ideal Life Club. And finally, if you like this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would comment, subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does mean that more amazing women will be able to find the show. 
In the meantime, until next week, be positive, be powerful, be productive, and keep fast-tracking your ideal life. Bye for now.